It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCW Sitka. Today is Tuesday, August 16th. I'm Meredith Reddick, and this is Raven News. Today is primary election day in Alaska. Polls in Sitka will be open 7 a.m. to 8 p.m., with both precincts voting at Harrigan Centennial Hall. There's been a lot of publicity around this election because of the unusual ballot. On one side is the new primary ballot, where voters of all parties and affiliations will choose the people they want to see become governor, senator, congressperson, and state legislator. The top four winners for each seat will then move on to the general election ballot in November. On the reverse side of the primary ballot is a special election ballot. There are three candidates listed here vying to fill the seat in Congress occupied by Don Young until his death last March. On the special election ballot, voters will rank candidates in order of preference. The winner will serve in the U.S. Congress until January. The addition of a special election ballot has made the introduction of ranked choice voting more complicated than many Alaskans imagined when they adopted this method last year. However, as always, if you make a mistake, you can turn in your ballot to an election worker and get another. Again, polls will be open until 8 p.m. today at Harrigan Centennial Hall for the regular primary election and ranked choice special election. Last year, when a Juneau travel organization was negotiating to host the Ironman Alaska Triathlon, boosters predicted up to 1,500 athletes would come, plus friends, family, and support staff. The number of people to actually attempt the inaugural event last Sunday ended up well short of that. Ironman says there were 850 athletes, of whom 62 were locals. Still, KTOO's Jeremy Shea says early estimates that the event would pump 7 to $9 million into the local economy appear to still be on the money. Friends Joseph Perret and Richard Secretaria came to Juno and both finished their first full Ironman race. It was wet all the way, yeah, pouring down. Way. Rain was pouring, yeah. the wind was brutal, the elevation of the climb is brutal. Secretaria says his bike got so dirty, it looked like he was mountain biking instead of racing on the road. If you can ignore their grins, it almost sounds like the two healthcare workers from New York and New Jersey are complaining that they really enjoyed their time in Juneau, in part because they said they were representing the Philippines when they raced. When they arrived, they introduced themselves on an Ironman Alaska Facebook group. And then... Everybody's sending us messages like, how oh, can we meet each other? Like, we feel like we're celebrities here. Yeah. <laughs> the support of the Filipino communities in Juno, Juno they rock, man. Yeah. Of course, yeah. they're supporting Juno, too, with their visit. Yeah. Uh, com- uh, accommodation, the registration, logistics, hotels, travel, food. Like most of the athletes, Pere and Secretaria didn't come alone. On average, an Ironman official says each participant brought about three people with them. Pere and Secretaria brought their significant others, and they were here for seven nights. The two couples split a hotel room and car rentals that they booked early on, before registration for the race had even opened. Besides Ironman events, they visited the Mendenhall Glacier, rode the Gold Belt Tram, ate at local restaurants. Not to mention, you still have to buy, you know, some stuff, uh, you know, souvenirs. Souvenirs, yeah. Uh-huh. You've been to Alaska. Yeah. They figure each couple spent around $4,000 on the trip. City Finance Director Jeff Rogers was also an Ironman finisher. In a pop-up shop at Centennial Hall, 
uh, cashier. Brings him up for some Iron Man swag. Uh, I got a jacket and a hat because the hat I run in is falling apart and a couple of water bottles. So I need, actually tried to buy things I needed, which is amazing, rather than buy a bunch of junk I don't. You're paying sales tax on this, I guess? Yeah, I should be. From hosting Iron Man, Rogers is expecting a noticeable bump in the city's revenue from sales tax and the extra 9% tax on hotel rooms and short-term rentals. I mean, I think a big weekend of a couple thousand people in town um, certainly has an impact, uh, not, not only on city revenue, but just on the health of local businesses and um, certainly a lot of people who rented out their houses. City officials and race organizers aren't aware of any formal economic impact studies underway around the event. But Melani Shivens, who runs the economic publications firm Raincoast Data in Juneau, she was game to share a rough economic impact estimate of her own. To be clear, I have not done a study sure. on this. Right. <laughs> these are just my numbers because I obsess over all these things and I love like trying to figure these things out. But she has done robust analyses in the past, backed by surveys and more ground truthing, to get at what the typical independent traveler spends during a visit. To build some spending assumptions for this event, Shivens looked at the Ironman schedules, participant numbers, Facebook chatter, even the weather. And I just decided that 20% of them went on excursions, partly because we had an atmospheric river, and a lot of the excursions were closed down. Altogether, she figures the out-of-town participants and their travel companions put roughly $8 million directly into Juno's economy. The race organizers also spent a lot in the community. Liz Perry runs Travel Juno, the city's destination marketing organization. It partnered with Ironman to host the event. Perry says the Ironman organizers used local vendors as much as possible, from the logo design by local artist Crystal Kakiya Whirl to the porta potties from Alaska Waste. Perry says volunteers representing local nonprofits may also get some cash grants from the Ironman Foundation. And there were a lot of volunteers. Ironman says more than 1,400. So the entire community has benefited from this from top to bottom. So that uh, ripple effect is going to be really impactful uh, for the whole city. There's also free word of mouth from all the proud Ironman participants themselves. We are planning to come back, maybe yeah. not for the race, but for a yeah. vacation. Yeah, this is, this is a must. I must tell my friends. I would, I would tell everyone who I meet, yeah, go to Juneau, go to Alaska. It's, really, it's really a really nice place. Bray and Secretaria say their triathlon club back home is eager to hear how it went. Registration for next year's Ironman Alaska Triathlon in Juneau opens August 15th. In Juneau, I'm Jeremy Shea. An Anchorage nonprofit expects to receive monkeypox vaccines in the coming weeks. In the meantime, they're educating community members about the virus and addressing misconceptions about how it spreads. Dr. Tracy Weiss is the clinical director at Identity Health Clinic, a nonprofit serving the LGBTQ community in Anchorage. At a virtual town hall meeting on Tuesday, she said the monkeypox virus has an incubation period of one to two weeks. Two people in Alaska have tested positive so far. So we suspect um, that those two folks have probably had some kind of contact with other folks in their lives. Um, and it's possible that other people are incubating the virus um, as we speak. Monkeypox is spread during prolonged face-to-face or skin-to-skin contact. It's not exclusively spread through sexual contact, but that's how most infected people are catching it, according to the World Health Organization. Anyone can get monkeypox. This is not a gay virus. This is not 
a virus that's only been seen among gay people. Um, the reason why we're focusing outreach um, within the this community is simply that many of the reported cases have fallen within this community. So the natural thing to do then is to target outreach to those communities. Um, but this isn't uh, this isn't like a virus that's only being spread because uh, gay people are having sex with other gay people. Infected people may have flu-like symptoms before a rash or sores appear. State epidemiologist Dr. Joe McLaughlin said people can spread the virus to others even before the rash appears. You can have respiratory symptoms like runny nose, things that just are seem like a cold or, you know, even COVID or the flu. And there's there's probably virus in those fluids. And so what CDC is saying is um, transmission is possible through that route, um, but it probably requires prolonged, um, you know, kissing and close face-to-face contact for that transmission to occur. According to Weiss, people who become infected should isolate themselves until their symptoms improve or disappear entirely. The rash should be well covered until it's completely healed. Last week, the state expanded vaccine eligibility beyond just confirmed cases and their recent close contacts. Now, men and transgender people who have sex with men and have had multiple or anonymous sexual partners in the past 14 days can get the vaccine. People in that group should talk to their health care provider about getting vaccinated, especially if they're immunocompromised. The Wrangell Borough Assembly has taken another step towards putting a large bond proposition on the October municipal ballot. At a special meeting on August 8th, the Assembly took the first of two votes on an ordinance that would ask the community to take on $12 million in bond debt. One of the two bonds for $8.5 million is for the first phase of renovating the community's public safety building. It houses police, firefighters, the DMV office, a children's social worker, and the courthouse. The building is 37 years old and in poor shape. A survey last year found it couldn't pass a fire alarm inspection and had extensive rot. Borough manager Jeff Good said the bond funding would help bring the building back up to code. Basically, put a uh, new siding on the public safety building, put a new roof, uh, which is a pitched roof system on the public safety building, and then also take care of some of the some of the mechanical systems that need to be um, taken care of on the inside of the building. The other bond is for $3.5 million for major maintenance projects at Wrangell's three public schools. The borough is seeking a 20-year term for both bonds. The next step in the process is a public hearing and final vote on the bonds, scheduled for the August 23rd Assembly meeting. If approved, the propositions would be put to voters in the municipal election on October 4th. I'm Meredith Reddick, and this has been Raven News.